Good morning. If you're new to Ridgeview, my name's Sam. I'm one of the elders here. And we're going through the book of Proverbs. We're almost done. We've been spending our time surveying Proverbs this summer, and you're going to see a real survey today. Um, I'm going to read um, several passages through the back half of, of Proverbs. I'll give you the references as, as I read, but it may be a little simpler to follow along the spring, on, on the screen. We'll start in, in Proverbs 15, verses 16 through 17, and, and I encourage you, they're, they're, these are all connected um, through a theme, and you should be able to see it as we read. So we'll start in Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Now this is Proverbs 16, verses one through nine. The plans of the, Lord, uh, the, plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he even makes his enemies be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now this is chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. How much better to get wisdom than gold To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now, this is 16, verses 32 through chapter 17, verse 1. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. This is chapter 19, verse 1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. 19.22, what is desired in a man is steadfast love and a poor man is better than a liar. 21.9, it is better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. 27, 5 through 10. This is our last passage. 
Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. The one who loathes is full of honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we all agree that the wise man should not boast in his wisdom and the strong man should not boast in his strength. But we should all boast. There's one thing to boast in and it's that we know you. We understand your ways. We serve and follow you. And pray that today we would have a feast of your goodness from your word and see how much better it is to fear your name in the many decisions and choices in life that we are put to. God, I ask that you would give us, give me wisdom. May your word shine forth because your word is life and it needs to be clearly seen and and it needs to enter our hearts so that we would believe it, that we would follow it, we would follow your path, Father. I ask for your help. Help us all to hear your word well. In Christ's name, we pray, amen. Life is full of choices. There's a study, if you Google it, because I did, that we make up to 35,000 decisions in a day. And I don't know how they got that number, but it's a lot. Um, and whether they're subconscious or, or, or the really, really tough ones, we do want to know how to make the right choice. How do I make a good decision? And that's the challenge, right? It's not only that I'm making decisions all the time. We need to make good decisions. Oftentimes, we have choices between things. One, one might be better, one might be worse. What's the decision? Which one am I going to make that's going to actually lead to flourishing? It's going to be good for me. And, and we can often be um, stuck in indecision. There's a philosophical paradox that this guy named Buridan came up with in the 1300s that a donkey that's really hungry and thirsty, if you set it between uh, water and hay, equidistant, it will die of hunger and thirst because it can't decide which one it needs more. And sometimes I feel like I'm in that situation. I don't know about you. But we don't want to die of hunger. We need to be people of action. God calls us to be people of action. So the second part of Proverbs is full of practical, helpful um, examples because it places values on, on, on the choices that we have to make. 
So we want to, we, Proverbs is all about wisdom, the wisdom from the Lord. And, and in chapters 10 through 29, which we've been focusing for the past few weeks, gets really, really practical. It's gonna give us examples of wisdom in action. Wisdom in action. And, and if you want to, to, if you're asking, well, where, where do I find wisdom? The, the author uses this word. It's, um, it's the word that we translate for good or, or uh, better, as, as we read it in English. The Hebrew is tov. Tov is the word used often as an adjective. It's used 61 times in Proverbs. It's more than any other usage in the Old Testament, in any, other, in any Old Testament book. 53 of those uses are in ch- chapters 20, or 10 through 31. So the back half of the book, the majority of them, the, it's, it's like this author is planting little flags of tov, little tov flags here. This is good, this is good, this is not good, to, to show us Wisdom, practically in action, which options are better for us. And he doesn't just say this is good. As you, as you, as you might have noticed as we read, he, he often holds up two things and he says, this thing is better. This is more tov than this other option. And that's where we struggle because we often have multiple choices to make and I... We need to know the right path to go, all right? So he's saying with this, this word tov, here is wisdom. Here is, is God's wisdom. Here is an example of a good decision. That's what he's saying. I wanna show you, uh, I think, from, from these passages, we're really gonna do a, a survey. And, and I wanna pull out two guidelines. Um, one that is clear. In, this pa- in these passages, guidelines to follow. Um, and a second one that is connected to it, also taking into account what we know um, about, what we know about scripture and, and the call of God. And in between those two, I've, there's three practical applications of, of these guidelines. So if you're already lost, I'm sorry. But we're asking, what are these better choices for us? We've got all these choices. We're trying to answer that question. We're gonna get a guideline for, for how to determine the better path from the, the less good path. You're not gonna be surprised that if, if you read through Proverbs, quick read, that the author clearly believes that fearing the Lord, as mentioned several times just in those passages I read, fearing the Lord, that's the best life choice you can make. If you, wanna, if you want to set yourself up on the right path, you fear the Lord. It's constant, it's consistent. Um, if, you, if you think about the circumstances that we have in life as the bottom of an ocean floor, you have valleys and hills, we, we all know that at the bottom of the ocean there's a lot of changes in elevation, right? Highs, lows. The consistency of the fear of the Lord is, is like the, the, the surface of the water. Fills it up. You don't see those. The, it's not like the, the, the ocean floor. It's a lot more like the surface of the water. It's consistent. 
It's something that you can focus on. That's why we use sea level to, it's, it's, a, it's a measurement to, to measure the height of mountains, the, the height um, of, of land, right? Because it's a, it's a consistent thing for us as opposed to us measuring from, say, the sea, level, sea floor, which is constantly going up and down, right? So that's what fear of the Lord is to this author in Proverbs and, and to us. He says, if you want consistency, if you want reliability, if you want good, you fear the Lord with your life. You focus your life on fearing the Lord like you focus on that, that water line, not on the, the changing elevation of the seafloor. And he says it in many ways, but I just did a quick search, and fearing the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. We've heard that one. It's walking in uprightness, it's confidence, it's a fountain of life, it's a path of life, it's a blessed life, with it are riches and honor. It's a good thing. Fear the Lord. But then I have to ask myself, all right, that's, that's the path for me, on what basis is he reliable? Because if we, were, if we, if we, we have all we can see so, sometimes is not the surface of the water. We see, we're like walking around on the, on the sea floor. We see the inconsistencies in life, right? Below that surface, there's deep valleys of pain, loss. There's heights of success, strength, wealth. And, and I need to be clear that Proverbs isn't, um, doesn't see these circumstances of life, the seafloor. They're not neutral in Proverbs. It's, it's not better. Poverty is not inherently better than wealth. Weakness is not inherently better than strength. Discomfort is, is not necessarily better than comfort. Those ups and downs of life, those circumstances, are real. And Proverbs doesn't say none of it matters. It, said, it actually says the opposite. It says, with the fear of the Lord is riches and honor. So these things are constantly changing, these circumstances in life, and everybody's gonna ex- experience varying degrees of these, right? You, you, where you were raised, family upbringing, Everyone has varying degrees of wealth, poverty, sorrow, joy. You look across the landscape of life and and you can see that from experience. And if you survey scripture, you see countless examples of people in various circumstances of life. You see the poorest pauper and you see the king. And the heroes, these people are all given opportunities to change their circumstances typically or to fear the Lord. And the reason we speak about them is because they chose to fear the Lord rather than to focus on their physical circumstances. That wasn't the the primary focus of their life. They saw that, their physical circumstances, as a secondary secondary option to the better option of fearing the Lord. And that's, that's the guideline. 
That's the main guideline in the book of Proverbs. Your temporary circumstances are not unimportant, but they are always less important than your need to fear the Lord. Your temporary circumstances, they're not under, unimportant. Pain is really pain. Joy is really joy. Life is really life. Death is really death. But they are always less important than your need to fear the Lord. So those physical circumstances, those temporary ones, they always, according to the book of Proverbs and the wisdom we see in there, Though your circumstances are going up and down like the ocean floor, there's a constant, reliable call. You can still fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. And the promise is you won't ever be let down. And I'm gonna read through these passages just to highlight some of those. 15, 16 through 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of dry herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. There's better, little. Pride goes before destruction. This is 16, 18 through 19. And a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of lowly spirit than to divide the spoil with the proud. 19.1, it's better for a, per, a poor person to walk in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. Each of those passages are giving us value statements. It's better towards something and saying that the other option is, is not as good. Right? So we have, we, we, and, and if we look at it on its face without... Um, we would say, I don't think that little is better than much or poverty is better than riches or, or a dinner of herbs as opposed to a nice juicy steak. But the argument is that fearing in the, the Lord and living in, in ways that show you fear God, love over hate, righteousness, pursuing righteousness over uh, injustice, Humility over, uh, over uh, pride. Peace seeking over, uh, over uh, strife. Integrity over dishonesty. That's always more desirable than any physical circumstance, any physical good, the high valley or the high mountain. <laughs> it's better than any physical good you could get in life if, especially if, that physical good is coupled with sin, hate, injustice, pride, strife, dishonesty. You can get those physical goods in life if they're coupled with sin, not good for you. It's better to have nothing and fear the Lord still than to have everything and to be opposed to God. Case in point, your life circumstances don't define what is good. Here's the formula. Bad circumstance, like little, plus fear of God, greater than, greater than. Good circumstance, plus strife, not fearing God. That's the formula. You, you can have, you can be on the mountaintop, but if you're living in sin and not fearing the Lord, you're not in a good situation. 
Your physical circumstances may change. They may go, may go up and down, but they don't have the final say on whether or not you should make changes in fearing the Lord. Your call is to always fear the Lord first. The assumption that we have to avoid is that it's easy. It's not always easy. It's not always simple. It's not always clear. The depths are really deep. Loss is really, really loss. And the temporary, and we have to remember another caveat, the temporary circumstances, they really can blur our vision from seeing what is good. Seems so low that you can't see that waterline, right? So don't avoid the assumption that it's easy. Now let's apply it. Let's apply that guideline. The guideline was that they're not unimportant, our circumstances, they're not unimportant, but they always, they always submit themselves to the higher call of fearing the Lord, our physical circumstances do. So let's apply this, and we have some examples from the passages I read. So the first application, and, and I don't mean to say these trivially, but, but, but when, a, when you have a, a, good, a choice between two good things, choose the better one. That's an application from, from some of these texts. How much, this is sixteen sixteen. how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver? Again, he's placing a value on the greatness of, of fearing the Lord, first and foremost. If I have to choose between these two things, and not always that you have to, because they're both good. I choose fearing the Lord. That's the better option in that case. Here's a more, here's a more complex one, though. Uh, 1632, and this is really interesting, because he actually, um, well, let's just read it. Proverbs 1632. Again, when I'm given a choice between two good things, choose the better one. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Now, the assumption that we need to avoid, we need to, we need to know is that being slow to wrath, or let's just say patient, and mighty, they're not mutually exclusive traits. God is patient. If you're a Christian, God is patient. And God is the standard of might, right? They're not opposed Examples that the, the author here has given us. He's given us an example of patience, which is a good thing, and might, which is a good thing. However, the, the really interesting thing, example here in this, in this example is if you're given a choice between patience and showing your strength, God values patience over strength. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Patient weakness better than strong impatience. And there's many things just really blew me away to see this. God puts a higher value on your, your patience in the choices that you make 
than on you showing your strength within patience. When you're given two, cho- two choices, they're both good, choose the better one. And Proverbs gives us some examples of better choices in good, good op- with good options. Application two, when you're given a choice between two bad things, choose the good one. Or go the better path. Proverbs 19.22 says that what is, what is desired in a man is steadfast love, and a poor man is better than a liar. So here we see steadfast love, character of God, that's what God desires of, of you. That's what he desires, and that is opposed to dishonesty, disloyalty, and in the, in the middle is the application, which we should be able to understand, but it's better to be impoverished than to lose your integrity with dishonesty. As was shared last week by Pastor Mike about the, about the way we use our words. Poverty is not inherently evil. Again, that's just a situation you might find yourself in Proverbs would say, better to be rich, but if you have the option between poverty and your dishonesty, losing your integrity, you go for poverty because God hates a lying tongue. Here's a little bit more complex one. 17.1, and then I'm gonna read 21.9. Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. And then 21.9 says, it is better to live in a corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Now, it's a dis- bit, this is a bit deceiving on the first read because if you read this quickly, both of these passages, you're gonna assume it's better for me to be alone and have a morsel and get out of a situation with strife than to be in the situation with strife. But we know from the word of God, from Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 7, a man's ways, if they please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. God does not like strife. And in the context of of the household, he would desire us to bring about peace rather than conflict. So the, 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 the point being made in, in, in these is not that if, some, if a situation is bad, there's conflict, my desire, my, 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 my choice is to flee the situation and get out of it. The command is to remove strife from the situation by living peaceable and fighting for peace in that situation. Strife is bad. That's, that's the point. It's so bad, you go to the house, the, the, the rooftop, rather than be involved in it. But the command, the implicit command from the book of Proverbs is to strive for peace. Application three. So here's the, the last application, then we'll get back to the guidelines here. Something may seem good, and this is from the chapter seven, 27, five through 10. Something may seem good, but it might, uh, or excuse me, something may seem bad, 
but it might in fact be very good for you. Just because something is painful doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad for you. I'm going to read 27, 5 through 10 one more time here. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who loathes, one who is full of, full, (laughs) one who is full loathes honey. But to the one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes with from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. So, in this last example, this application, we've got we've got a turn of events, right? We've got something that can cause strife, tension, conflict, pain. We've got a rebuke. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. So, so he's, he's flipping it around. Conflict, tension in a rebuke doesn't seem like a good situation to put myself in as opposed to love, which is the character of God. God is love, right? Yet, In the context of friendship, and that's the key, in the context of friendship, it is better to not make quick judgments about the sting of a rebuke that you feel. And in this example, we see what the body of Christ works like, right? we, We strive to, to, to care for one another, to know one another, to help one another grow into Christ's image. And that often includes correction, rebuke, telling us things that maybe in my pride I don't want to, I don't want to hear. And the, but the key is, who is speaking to you? Is it your enemy? Is it your friend? That makes a big difference in what they're saying. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Wound doesn't sound good. But if it's from a friend, it might just be faithful. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And he even goes far in this this culture to say, better is a neighbor who is near than your blood brother who's far away. That was revolutionary. But the same applies to here. We are the body of Christ. We are called to care for one another, to, to be involved in one another's life close enough so that we can help one another grow. And you may think that that gentle rebuke is best to avoid But Proverbs tells us that it's better than hidden love. It's better to help that person grow into the image of Christ than to stand there in indecision saying, somebody else will do it. Or I pray that he'll see it for himself. Or she. Those words are the words that God uses to help us grow into Christ's image. 
So something may seem bad, but it might in fact be good for you. Flip, you could flip it around and say, something might seem good, the kisses of an enemy, but they may in fact be bad for you. The beauty of friendship is, in the body of Christ, is the blessing of growing together into Christ's image. And sometimes it stings, but those stings are for our good. Three applications. Now let's go back to the guideline, and I want to kind of restate it and think about It in the context of scripture. So we talked about how your, your circumstances, they, they, they do, um, they're not unimportant, but in comparison to the need to fear the Lord, they are. And, and to just restate that, I think if we look at scripture, we can see that faith is the doorway to tasting and experiencing the goodness of God. And, and I want to address that because if my temporary circumstances, if those aren't the ultimate thing, those aren't the ultimate thing. How do I know God is better? How do I know God is better if I can't see it in my circumstances? Because you just said that your circumstances aren't ultimate. The command is to fear the Lord. So how do I know? And Proverbs really calls us to um, obey and, and the promises you're gonna experience it. Fear the Lord and, and you will see. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. So if I'm asking myself, how do I know that it's better to fear the Lord? The biblical answer is faith. Faith. And that seems like such a throwaway in our culture. What, faith? What? That's the biblical answer. You trust God. Every biblical hero who, that, that put their confidence in God, they, they always see good things in the end. Hebrews 11, one through three, tells us, it's gonna be on the screen here, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm in the middle of it, I don't see it yet, it's a really deep valley. Faith is the assurance of, of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. Were you there when the universe was created? How was it created? How do you know it was created by the word of God? By faith. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You can look around you and make all the appeals. The call from scripture though is to put your faith in the Lord. Put your faith in the Lord and fear him. And then he goes, he goes on later and it's not gonna be on the screen, but he says these all died in faith. All these people of old, all these people, the, the author of Proverbs, the, the people in the Old Testament, they died in faith. They did not see the promise fulfilled in their lifetime. But what kept them going was confidence in the Lord. 
they were seeking a greater homeland. So if my circumstances don't show it, my circumstances that go up and down, how do I know that God is more reliable, that fearing the Lord is better? By faith. And you, you, can, you can doubt me again, but we have to look at the example of Christ because if, if you want an example of incomparable faith coupled with reverence and fear of God, we have the example of our Savior. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us that he feared the Lord. In his humanity, he revered God and trusted God. Though Jesus feared and trusted God more than anybody, what did he endure? He endured the cross. So the next time my circumstances might turn for the worse, the call is, will you remember Jesus? That needs to be my call. If the God of heaven will allow God in flesh, Jesus Christ, to undergo the suffering and the sorrow, continually trusting in the Lord, how much more, how much more am I called to follow in, in trusting him? knowing that the suffering Jesus endured was glory. It, it, it led to glory. I know that in Christ then, this God who calls me to trust him, who sent his son to be the man of sorrows, lamb of God, by his own betrayed, whips, thorns, nails, really bad suffering, death, his own son, sent for our good, died with the promise and the hope, resurrection glory. And in Christ, I too am bound for that glory. No matter what my circumstances depend on. They don't depend on my, my you know, my, my hope in God doesn't need to depend any more on my temporary circumstances than Jesus has did. He didn't look to his temporary circumstances. He looked to the hope and the promise of the resurrection. He is reigning now. He is alive. He is reigning. And when you realize that, that Christ saved you for glory, if you are trusting in Christ, you'll become like the psalmist. The psalmist in Psalm 34. You, you, you prove that personal you become a personal experience, you, you, you testify to the reliability of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Those, for those who fear him, have no lack, even in a, in, in a valley. Come and behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come, behold the works of the Lord by faith.
no matter your circumstances, the call from Proverbs, in my decision-making is to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord in all things. Make that your, the, the highest standard of, of your decision-making. Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we need to trust you. You're good. You're faithful. Christ is the greatest savior, our only hope. I pray that if anyone here is not trusting in you, that they would turn now. Trust in the savior who, who died for them and was raised and he is reigning and we praise you, Christ. May we look to you, may we trust you with our whole lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen.